Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Me. Chuck and I are going to get to the bottom today of whether or not Mesopotamia was the cradle of civilization. I like that. Straight ahead. Yeah. We're going to find out if that's the case. I think it is. Do you? Yeah, sure. There's a lot of evidence. You wrote a compelling uh, argument for it, I believe, my friend. Can I set the scene? Yes. Okay, so Chuck, around about 11,000 years ago, okay, humanity did something you could say significant. Okay. We abandoned our hunter-gatherer ways, right. which entails jumping out of trees onto gazelles and butchering them. Small tribes. Pick, picking berries, no more than 30, apparently. Oh, really? Anything over 30, you have too much um, interpersonal conflict. Oh, really? And so, uh, I guess through trial and error, our early ancestors figured out that you couldn't have more than 30 in a band. That 31st dude started killing people every time. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> they're like, there's always one out of 31. Right. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, wait. Gotcha. <laughs> so 30, that's good. That was a hunter-gatherer joke. Yeah. <laughs> Um, those never get old. No, the, uh, so yes, but we, we, so we spent, uh, all of our, uh, all of humanity's history hunting and gathering, wandering around. That was it. Yeah. And then 11,000 years ago, during what's called the Neolithic Revolution. Right. We stopped. We settled down and uh-huh. we started raising crops. We turned to agriculture. Which led to, a, well, not sitting around. Clearly there was a lot of work to be done, but. Uh, not moving around a more sedentary, stable environment. Right, right. And it changed everything. Big time. From this, in fairly quick fashion, uh, civilization developed. Cities sprung up. What? Yeah. <laughs> um, and what we have now, today, all goes back to that period, 11,000 years ago, where the, where, where we adopted agriculture, right? Right, yeah. So that leads one to wonder, okay, well, what was the first civilization then? Sure. It leads me to wonder. Yeah, me too. Which is why I wrote this article. And you did a fine job, sir. Is it just living in cities, Chuck? Is it just creating a village based around agriculture? Is that your civilization, huh? No, Josh, but it does take a village. That's what Hill says, and that's what I say. Okay. Uh, it takes a village, Josh, and let me let me break it down. It's funny for me to tell you, even though you wrote this. It's a little awkward. Don't worry. But a civilization is, uh, I like the way that one writer put it. Um, if culture is behavior, civilization is structure. Right. There, there are certain things that have to be present. Yeah. So we're talking, um, a, uh, class structure, um, um, upper class, usually religious leaders were the, were the ruling party. Is that right? Religious or political or both. A lot of times both back then, right? Sure. And, um, laws would be nice. Mm-hmm. That's an indicator. Right. Um, Living in one place, obviously. Yeah. That's another indicator. Like a city. Stru- a religious and, and economic structure. Right. So like trade, mm-hmm. commerce, that right. kind of thing. Right. Is there anything else? That's pretty much the basics for civilization. Okay. But it doesn't always have to be a city, but it just kind of made sense. That's that how it it's always been. Yeah. Because civilization's always been tied to agriculture, and agriculture yeah. means you have... A, you're growing crops, mm-hmm. and you have a bunch of people tending to these crops, so they're all living in the same area, uh-huh. and generally they're all sharing this uh, land in some way or another. It's sure. divided up, so th- that's a city. Yeah, it did give them more time, though. I, like I said, it was hard work, but it clearly gives them more free time than 
say, hunt, hunting and gathering when you're constantly on the move? Not necessarily. Oh, really? Yeah. Remember one of my heroes, Dr. Jared Diamond? He wrote that essay, The Greatest Mistake in the History of Mankind or Humankind? Yes. Dr. Or, wait, Screech. The Greatest Mistake in the History of the Human Race. Ah. Uh. Something like, yes, Dr. Screech, right. <laughs> um, he argued that, no, not, no, it, like you, you spend four hours out of your day hunting, hunting and gathering, and the rest is leisure because oh. you don't have anything to tend to. Well, it really. was his big argument that, that agriculture was a huge mistake. Well, what's the deal, though, with you saying then that science and uh, art sprung out of the free time that, from the uh, agricultural lifestyle? I'm very glad you asked that, Chuck, because <laughs> this is up? a very important point. Okay. Because uh, and that 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 um, stood out to me too when I was back rereading this article, uh-huh. right? Um, we were able because of the advent of civilization, we were able to pursue things like science, pursue things like math, create calendars and astronomy and all that, um, because there were people who were toiling on behalf of others who weren't toiling. Uh, so gotcha. say the ruling class were the ones who created science who delved oh, okay. into because they that didn't have to toil they didn't even have to go hunt and gather so they had nothing but free time exactly okay that makes sense well and you mentioned the calendar and time that was specifically the babylonians which is part of mesopotamia right they invented minutes and seconds right you gave it away did i yeah well come I'm, on i'm kidding dude i'm Please. totally kidding mesopotamia let's go ahead and let the cat out of the bag okay they were the first civilization yeah you'd think they had everything right there modern day iraq is that right yes and a little i think a little bit of iran okay. between the tigris and the euphrates river very fertile va- uh land there wasn't it uh it was thanks to the early uh farmers because they rerouted the water is that right yeah i mean they had a lot it was it was fertile you know, around the rivers. Sure. But these guys were building canals like 20 miles out in founding cities where they ended. So long ago. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. This is uh, about 4,000 BC that Mesopotamia really started to grow up. Um, and Mesopotamia is Greek, I believe, for land between two rivers. Makes sense. Tigris and Euphrates, uh-huh. right? Um, and it was actually a uh, series of independent, although affiliated city states. Right. Syria, Babylonia, and uh, Sumatra, Sumer, 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 Sumeria. Right. I've seen both ways, Sumer and Sumeria. Okay. But remember, um, in Ghostbusters, <laughs> Gozo is a Sumerian god. Really? Uh-huh. Which one was Gozo? Or Gozer? Gozer. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The the lady. Yeah, yeah. In the suit. <laughs> was that a suit? Some. It was some kind of suit. Gotcha. All right. So Chuck, like you said. Um, that that one scholar, Matthias Tomzak, said uh, that if culture is behavior, then civilization is structured to that behavior. Yes, and that kind of underlie uh, underscores the the point that we had certain things, certain elements that that form the basis of civilization floating out there in the ether, like hunter gatherer tribes engaged in religious ceremonies and rituals, um, and and there were some sort of structure. To their bands from time to time. You right. Know, if there was a shaman present, he probably ran the show. Sure. Or she. Um, so there were these elements to, to civilization, but it was in Mesopotamia where they all came together. Right. Right? And right. they were structurized. <laughs> Structured? Wow. Organized. Yes. I think that's the word you're looking for. <laughs> Uh, you know what was also really cool, I thought, that you pointed out was, were they the very first people to actually write things down on yeah. tablets. Yeah. 
And this kind of shows how you would think like, oh, well, the Mesopotamians really had everything together. Right. And they Super knew smart. like, we're going to build humanity. Yeah, we're going to write books because books are important. They didn't know that. No, not not at first. Right. So, yeah, in uh, Sumeria, the first uh, writing uh, came about. Why, Chuck? Well, like you point out here, it's uh, very boring things that they were keeping track of on on written record, which like tax records mm-hmm. and um, accounting records. Right. But that makes sense. They they were smart enough early on to keep track of their financial business. Right. For, with a permanent record. And, and necessity is the mother of invention. Well, yeah. They needed to keep track of their stuff, so right. they created writing. But then that writing led to the phonetic alphabet. Right. To where now things um, could be depicted where there was no um, there was no picture for them. Right. It wasn't just like cow, sun, mountain. Right. They could actually. Which I think, <laughs> I think you just insulted somebody in, in uh, ancient Egypt. They could actually express abstract thought for the first time on paper. Well, not paper, but clay tablets. Right. And that led actually to Gilgamesh, which is right. thought to be the um, first literary work in the entire world. You ever read it? Uh-huh. Really? Yeah. So it's a real thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know it's a real thing, but it's a real book with a plot. Is it fiction? It is fiction, although there was supposedly a real King Gilgamesh. Okay. Um, and, the, yeah, it's it's actually it's really interesting because it kind of depicts the struggle at the time between going toward civilization or remaining hunter-gatherers. Cow so or mountain. You have, uh, pretty much, <laughs> um, you have Gilgamesh, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. He's all about the city. Sure. And he runs into uh, Inkidu. Inkidu. In, I've, I've heard it both ways, too. And is that your COA now? I've heard it both ways. You're right. <laughs> uh, and Inkidu's like this wild man of the woods. Okay. And Gilgamesh meets him, wrestles him, and uh, basically is like, hey, you're my best friend now because you almost beat me. Let me take you to the city. <laughs> so it's as much about... Gilgamesh, um, as it is about him taming Enkidu, bringing another human being out of the woods and into the city, Interesting. out of our past as hunter-gatherers into civilization. Because not everybody just subscribed to it at once, and a lot of people believe that Gilgamesh um, is symbolic for this transition at this point in human history. It's the city mouse and the country mouse. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much. It's, 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 it's a struggle that still goes on today. Yeah, you know? it's weird. But, um, yeah, however you interpret it, Gilgamesh is arguably the first work of literature on the planet. Right. And that came from Sumeria. Okay, which was Mesopotamia. Right. All right, so that's a good, that's a strike in their favor. Uh, you know what else was? What? Religion, organized religion. It wasn't the first time it had happened, right? But the fact that they were all in one place all of a sudden... Instead of hunting and gathering and having your own little religious ideals in small pockets of 30, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you had large numbers of people worshiping the same gods. Right. And you had these people yeah. at the top of this religious hierarchy. They were in charge. Who, Yeah, they were in charge because they were the ones who knew what the gods were thinking. And exactly. they could be like, you know, this god, um, uh, Utu, the sun god. Right. Or Gozer. You didn't want to mess with Gozer. <laughs> yeah. But let's say Gozer um, commands you to bring me a bunch of um, wheat, emmer wheat. Right. And uh, I'm supposed to eat it. <laughs> and you're supposed to sit there and watch and not say anything. And that's why I'm a fat cat. But that's that's the hierarchy. You right. know, like the, the, they, this, these priests had control immediately over these people once organized religion started. Yes, and that led to 
uh, moral codes of conduct, mm-hmm. which eventually would lead to regular law, yep. which is another little strike in their favor. All these things are coming out of Mesopotamia, it's right? It's all forming a picture, Josh. Um, there's also some very overtly – well, no, there's there's some other great advances they made. Um, we talked about the calendar. Apparently, the um, Babylonians were the first to actually mark time beyond oh, the sun's up, oh, the sun's down. Really? Yeah, they came up with uh, seconds and uh-huh. minutes. Right. They created the calendar, and then this in turn gives rise to astronomy. You can't have astronomy without a calendar. And math. Right. Eventually. Yes. So science is coming out of Mesopotamia, too. And art. Yes. they Actually, people had been creating art for 10,000 years at that point, right? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That art was one of the first things that humans tried yeah. their hand at. I mean, think about, like, the, the prehistoric drawings in the uh, caves in France. I sure. I can't remember which ones, but of, like, the... Uh, um, people running around hunting bison. Right, and they were also telling stories too, right? Sure. <laughs> okay. But isn't that art? Yeah. Oh, man, look at you. What a sensitive guy. <laughs> so, Josh, was it all like super awesome ideas that they were like laying down on humanity? Surely they did some harm, right? Definitely. Because with advancement, it's hard not to step on a few uh, toes along the way. Right, and once you say, well, I've got this group subjugated, but that group over there has got a lot of emmer wheat right. that I want too. So I'm going to amass an army, and you guys are going to go subjugate that other group. So war, slaves. Expansionism. All of this stuff came out of that, too. Sure. And the other thing, too, is disease and, uh, I guess, plague, now that you have – or not plague. What would you call it? Epidemics? Yeah, an epidemic. Since you have people all living in one place – it's much easier to, you know, pass that thing around. All yeah. of a sudden, you have an epidemic on your hands. That was another point Jared Diamond made. Like, you can't, you can't have an epidemic if you just are living in groups of thirty that don't really contact one another. Doctor Screech. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, Chuck, it's pretty clear Mesopotamia is the cradle of civilization. Although there are some other comers, there are definitely some settlements that have been discovered that are Neolithic um, that show signs of some sort of cohesion. Sure. Um, in, uh, let's see, there's some along the Yellow River in China that are pretty old. Yeah. Um, there's Katalhoyuk, which is one of my favorites. Yeah, southern Turkey. They had uh, temples of worship, shrines. Mm-hmm. They had mm-hmm. art. They raised livestock and farmed, and they had about 10,000 people together doing this. Right. But what strikes me is you point out that they didn't have a uh, hierarchy or social stratification. Right. But that's a 10,000 people back then with no hierarchy. It's communism. Well, it's hinky is what it is. It's utopia. <laughs> I bet it didn't go so well, though, you know, especially in those early, like, savage times. Sure. Um, or else it did. I mean, they could have ended because of climate change or whatever. No, that's true. Um, or, or maybe they actually did have a social hierarchy. It's just not evident to researchers yet. But if uh, if they did, they were that's really what they were lacking was the social hierarchy that would have made really? them a civilization. And they had a good three thousand years on the Mesopotamians. What about Goner uh, Gonerdep? That's in uh, Turkmenistan. Yeah, they sound like they meet the the thing. They farm. They uh, built canals, palaces, and traded. Yeah, so, you know what kept them out? Again, I think it was the hierarchy, oh, okay. the class structure. Gotcha. And and isn't that sad that class structure yeah. is a it's one of the sure. bases of civilization. Yeah. And it, it, think about this, Chuck. We're, we're talking about how civilization is, you know, um, the, keeping tax records gave rise to phonetic alphabets, which gave rise to capturing abstract ideas. Which led to fiction. Right. Um, 
so we we you can see how civilization at one point when when we all of a sudden are starting to settle down the whole there's a world of opportunity yeah. of choices available to us sure um but with each block that we built upon and cemented uh-huh. we also built our own we built ourselves into a certain worldview that we can't it's tough to see out of sometimes now these days you see what i'm saying like what what were the choices that they made like could they have been like, well, we're going to go with Cattle Hayek and not have a social hierarchy? Right. But now having a social hierarchy in class uh, means that you're a civilization. We yeah, can't think sure. of it without that. And there's also a lot of benefit to studying early civilization or what m- constitutes a civilization because it, it sheds light on our own. Like today, we have class structures. Right. We have a ruling class that – that um, distributes wealth based on economic policies and tax right. breaks. And it's tough to see it like that because you just think, oh, it's Barack Obama and right, it's right. John McCain. But this is really – you can look at it in that detached manner like True. this is a this is the class structure and this is how they dole out the goods and they don't dole it out equally. You know what Bob Marley said? Lively up yourself. <laughs> well, he said a lot of things. Don't know your past, you don't know your future. That's true. Right there. True that. I don't think he was the first guy to say that either. But Chuck, there's one question that's remained unanswered. This this is awesome. Tell me this isn't awesome. It is pretty question. awesome. Why did we start farming? Well, Josh, there are different theories, mm-hmm. but the one that you found that I love is uh, from an archaeologist named Patrick McGovern, and he believes that once humans got their first little nip of that sweet, sweet alcohol from what? Fermented fruit? Or grain or something. By accident, yeah. probably the first time. Sure. Once they got that taste of intoxication, they would stop at nothing to recreate it. Yeah. And he contends in a book, Uncorking the Past, colon, the, <laughs> the quest for wine, beer, and other alcoholic beverages, that the Neolithic Revolution happened and agriculture was born because people wanted to grow things to make alcohol. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense, Chuck, because if you think about it, as hunter-gatherers, um, we had food already, and we had yeah. figured out that you could live in bands of 30 or less. Sure. There isn't necessarily an urge to live in civilization. We're tied to a sedentary lifestyle through agriculture, but it leaves that door open. Like, why would we go, well, I've got some food over here, and I have tons of leisure time, but I'd rather stick right here and spend all of my time farming right. for food. <laughs> But the, this McGovern hypothesis about you know alcohol providing the basis of agriculture it makes a lot of sense. It answers that question. Well, that's the age old question in, in archaeological circles: is what came first, beer or bread? Yeah. So you're growing these crops. What were they doing? Were they making bread with it, or were they making beer? They were making neither. They were actually making a um, fermented combination of mead and some sort of fruit wine. Yeah, about 10% alcohol. Yeah. Is that what they said? Yeah. Not bad. And this is, we're talking like 7,000 BC, 9,000 years ago. Uh-huh. Again, along the Yellow River in China, people are making this some sort of fermented um, alcoholic beverage. Uh, and they were so clever about this, Chuck. You have to have some sort of malt sugar to uh, so to cool. allow the fermentation process to take place, yeah. right? Uh-huh. So what did they do? This is what they did. They had obviously no knowledge of chemistry at the time. None. So they would prehistoric humans would uh, mix clumps of rice with their saliva in their mouth. Mm-hmm. They would chew it up, break down the starches and the grain in their mouth, and convert it into malt sugar, and then spit that up into the home brew. And apparently, all the 
yeasty, foamy stuff would float to the top, and they would use these really long party straws, crazy straws, mm-hmm. to drink the alcohol from the bottom of, of the thing. And they still use similar uh, jugs to drink out of in China. Yeah. So there you have it, bro. Yeah. Case that's, closed. That's like making uh, booze 9,000 years ago. And um, McGovern would know. He's a molecular archaeologist. Right. He pretty much pioneered the field. And if you have an old pottery shard that you want analyzed, you take it to him. And so he started noticing time after time that with all of these um, shards of pottery, he kept finding tartaric acid, which is a um, it's a acid present in wine. Right. Um, and he would find some other stuff too. Um, in actually in Goner Depe, right? Uh, he found some uh, vessels, or he was asked to analyze some vessels, mm-hmm. and um, he found a uh, a contaminant of beer, a natural contaminant of beer. Um, and he also figured out that these little scratch, these crosshatch scratches in the bottom of the clay right. pottery were designed to absorb this contaminant, which uh, uh, occurs in crystal form. So it would just sink to the bottom and get ah. stuck in these crosshatches. So he's like. Dude, wow. These are beer bottles. That's and this is like 4,000 years ago or 6,000 years ago. That's awesome. You know what else? What? Uh, Sumerians, which was part of Mesopotamia, right. they worshipped the goddess of fertility, Nina Hara, and they consider her to be the inventor of beer. And the, the goddess of fertility, too. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. That's funny because I thought Paul Masson was the goddess of fertility. <laughs> That's good. And also, Josh, you know, we're saying how they, the Sumerians wrote down things on clay tablets. Right. The, some of the first folks to do that. Yeah. They actually wrote down the recipe for beer was one of the things they wrote down. Uh-huh. So they had like the first brewer's handbook, basically. Yeah. They had tax records, Gilgamesh, and a good beer recipe. <laughs> what else do you need? And I don't know. That's pretty awesome. Uh, and his, uh, his hypothesis is also backed up by the really rapid spread around the world of fermentation. Right. Um, after these, I think the Chinese shards uh, that show that fruit and mead mixture uh-huh. um, are the oldest. And then after that, it, it kind of spreads fairly quickly. Sure. Yeah. Pretty cool. And if you look at the staple crops that were, that may, that constituted early agriculture, you can brew from all of them. Yeah, there was some. Corn, millet, rice. What beer company was that? Some Wheat. beer company had found some Emmer. ancient recipe and they uh, for beer and they re- were able to recreate it. Sweet. Yeah, I wish I could remember the name of it. Someone will tell me. It's not uh, Flag Porter, is it? I don't know. Maybe. Flag Porter. It's a great beer. I'll look into it. All right, well, Chuck, that's about it. Uh, We still haven't quite gotten to the bottom of whether Mesopotamia was the cradle of civilization or not. I say yes. What's your say? I say yes, but as you point out, scholars still debate what is a civilization in the first place. So So who are we to say? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's about it. I don't even recommend reading the article. We pretty much covered it. But there is a search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. Sure. That'll lead you all sorts of cool stuff. Um, how about listener mail? Josh, this is a long one, but it's worth it. Okay. Because this is one of the best ones we've ever gotten. That's two full pages. Well, it's 16 point for my old eyes. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Josh and Chuck, strange as it may sound, I was ac- I actually discovered a secluded tribe a few years ago while I was sailing solo around the world. Huh? Somewhere around uh, Vanuatu Vanuatu, in the South Pacific, I was hit by a huge storm. Uh, it snapped my mast like a matchstick and treated my boat like a bathtub toy. He had to strap himself in the boat so he didn't get washed overboard. Gets tossed around for what seems like days. Ends up washed ashore like a castaway. Not like a castaway. He was a castaway. As a castaway. As a castaway. 
the little Marianne was his boat. It was completely wrecked. And uh, that was probably a mistake to name it after a Gilligan's Island episode. Sure. <laughs> You're just asking for it. Uh, and so he did not know how long he'd be marooned. And turns out he was there for about a month. Wow. Cast away on an island. So listen to this. On the beach, a cargo container washes ashore from China. He was able to open it up eventually, and there was a plethora of Chinese consumer goods. Looked like dollar store type stuff, he said. That's when he noticed behind me, I turned and saw 50 mostly naked people standing on the beach and more emerging from the jungle. I was apprehensive. Uh, I had seen no signs of civilization, and I thought I was alone on the island. They approached me, and they started to chant. As it turns out, they were singing to me. I was dumbstruck, and they formed a semicircle around me and chanted what sounded like, Joe Frumsa. <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah. This better be real. If someone sends this in like a Snopes thing, then I'm going to be really pissed. Uh, he, they started holding out their hands and gesturing for the stuff in the container. So we started passing it out, obviously, to be like, you know, here, I have things for you. Uh, I come in peace. <laughs> <From> China. <laughs> he said it was like I was Santa Claus, and this was their first Christmas. They were tearing into everything. Uh, it turns out he had been washed ashore on an island inhabited by a cargo cult. And I was the first white person they had seen for generations. Uh, the last ones were during the Second World War and had left behind modern conveniences like metal pots and knives and some broken walkie-talkies who the elders used to communicate with each other. They learned how to use these walkie-talkies. Uh, he said he lived among them for about a month until someone finally came and rescued me. Uh, I was revered as a living god. They waited on me hand and foot. And the shaman would hand me a walkie-talkie occasionally and begin chanting into this while I chanted into mine. It always made him laugh and seemed to heighten his status in the tribe. Uh, the rescue boat finally came. They held a going-away party for me ceremony. And uh, he uh, later discovered the island had been a staging ground for military ops during World War II, and the military had won the hearts and minds of these natives, so they weren't you know, aggressive toward, toward white man. And uh, the chant they greeted me with on the beach turned out was a derivation of Joe from USA, which is what their forefathers had called soldiers. There is no way this is true. You don't think so? It can't be. This is from Barry, and Barry says, you know, it was nice being treated like a god for a little while, made for a great vacation. <laughs> <laughs> and he wrote me back and said it was true, and that he still never completed his round-the-world trip. That is, yeah. That's the best one ever. Definitely. Okay. Even if it's not true, the, the creativity, Barry. Mwah. If someone writes back and says that was on a t-shirt, I'd <laughs> be really upset. I forgot about that. Man, that kid took us, didn't he? Yeah, the haiku kid. Yeah, we took him behind the woodshed, didn't we? Yep. So uh, if you have a non-lie email that you want to send us, you can ship it off uh, in a cargo container to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage.